welcome to another episode of Hip Hop Social Worker. I'm Christopher Scott, your uh, Hip Hop Social Worker. And tonight, I got a special guest uh, via telephone uh, from Oakland, California, my man Rob Jackson. Go ahead, Rob. You can say something. What up, what up, what up, man? Yeah, pleasure to be on, man. And super excited uh, that you're spreading awareness uh, to hip hop and, and, and applications to social work. You know, we're out here trying to do it, for sure. Yes, sir. Uh, do you mind uh, telling a little bit about uh, what you do? Yeah, so uh, Beast Rhymes in Life, we started in 2004. Um, we wanted to reduce the stigma around seeking therapeutic services for folks of color, young young brothers, and especially um, uh, people of color. Uh, we know that um, people in our community that deal with a lot of complex trauma, and so we really just wanted to find a way that was more culturally congruent and strength-based, youth-centered, to um, access our youth. And so we, um, the co-founder and I, we, we basically got together because of our love of hip-hop and started a trial program at Berkeley High School um, just trying to reach the youth and just trying to figure out a more a, a better way so that they can deal with the trauma that they're dealing with in their communities. Um, so we've been going strong for 14 years based here in Oakland, California, um, and just uh, really, really trying to um, do do systems change and, and make hip hop therapy more accessible to more youth around the nation, around the state, around the city. All right. Sounds good. Um so you said uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life that started out of a high school? Yeah, so we started at Berkeley High School. Our first program was ran in Berkeley High School in 2004. Um, we started off with uh, my man was getting his MSW from uh, Smith College, and he he was doing his practicum and was um, trying to engage the youth in traditional forms of therapy, but they weren't really responsive to it. And so he noticed one day that they were out in the courtyard at lunchtime freestyling, having a cipher. Um, and they would leave his sessions pretty upset and not really, not really um, wanting to talk about what was going on in their lives. But what he noticed was in the cipher, they, they would talk about what was going on. And, and so he really felt he felt like let's tap into that, figure out a way that he can apply the learning that was he was doing at Smith College um, with what they were naturally doing. And then me being a hip hop artist and an educator, um, we combined our strengths to start our first group. It was a 10 week pilot program and um, working through the through the health center at Berkeley High School. What we noticed was the youth were being more responsive to the social workers, to the psychologists that were based in the health center. Um, and so we knew that we had something magical and we knew that we really had to push it. Okay. So um, it's a little bit about your background. You said that you were an educator, so a teacher? Yeah. So I was going to school at San Francisco State at the time to become a teacher. Uh, I've been a hip hop artist for over 25 years now. Um, you know, my first cassette tape, and I, I say cassette tape, I know I'm dating <laughs> myself a little bit. But, That's all good. You know, my, my first cassette tape was NWA, straight out of Compton. <laughs> and, you know, the moment that I put it in my tape deck, I, I fell in love. And 
I, I hadn't really been exposed to hip hop before that. Um, but, you know, once I heard that, I started doing the research and really looking into where it started. You know, it started out in the Bronx around 73 and, and just really looking for more artists to connect to. And there was just something about it that really just spoke to my soul. And I knew it had a really powerful impact on me growing up and, and really how it shaped my identity. And so I figured, you know, with what what uh, my co-founder was learning, getting his MSW, and then what both of our experiences were, because we hooked up making music, uh, we both knew that, you know, if it connected with us like that, it would connect with the youth for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I feel like... Uh... I feel like I go through the same thing, you know, like uh, uh, just trying to, like, you know, because I work with the youth as well and just trying to really figure out a way to uh, reach them like every day, you know, because like it always changes. And I feel like if you can figure that out, you know, like you already kind of won like half the battle, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we chose hip hop as our medium. However, you know, it's really it's like you're saying, it's really just about tapping into what the youth are interested in. And, and exploring that and letting them kind of guide their own healing. Um, and even in our mission statement, it says, you know, we, we uh, really just promote the, 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 um, the therapeutic use of hip-hop to um, explore their own healing and their own identity. And, you know, a, a lot of youth, they have the solutions in We just need to give them the resources and give them the opportunity and the support. So they can explore that and and really create a situation where um, they can start to address some of the issues that are going on in their lives. Yeah, no doubt. That's pretty fresh. Uh, so, um, what's uh, what? So, besides like your, you know, your friend being in school, uh, what motivated like you, you know to push into this program? He. Um, him and I, we just, as I said, we we got we linked up at San Francisco State. Um, I was actually freestyling with a friend, another friend of mine, um, and at the time we had a group, um, and so we were just at lunch uh, before we went to class. We were just freestyling, and then my co-founder he approached me and and was just like, "Hey, I like what you're saying. Um, you know, I have a studio. Let's make some music together," and so. Him and I, um, we well, the three of us, we just started making music, and then we realized, you know, through that passion, through that love, um, we were also expressing ourselves in a way that was really was really healing, and really cathartic. And if you have a tough day, you can bust out your pen and your pad and put on a beat, and it oftentimes makes you feel better. They mm-hmm. wanted to be like brothers out here in Oakland, you know, are, are really looking for mentors and, and looking for guidance and direction. And, you know, we both had a, a passion for the youth and working with the youth. And so using that passion and using our love for hip hop, you know, we just really wanted to find a way to, to connect and, and give them an outlet in the same way that we had an outlet. Okay. That sounds good. Um, so how was, uh, how was this program received when you first uh, presented it? Yeah, the the youth um, immediately they they were drawn to it, and you know it's funny. Even to this day, we'll have youth that are in the program, and they're like, 
professional. We didn't even know this was therapy. We were just we just thought we were rapping. Ooh, it's nice. just something that we love to do. Um, and so we we try to be really intentional to tell them like, yes, this is this is therapeutic because. One of the things about Beach Runs in Life is we consider ourselves a bridge to therapeutic services. So we don't we don't consider ourselves to be the the one size fits all solution and fixing every single youth that comes through our door. We just want to give them access to what it's like to be um, around adults that they can trust and they can tell their story to, and and be able to open up to in a very authentic way. And, and with the hopes of eventually going to be able to see a therapist and going to be able to deal with their mental health issues in a way that feels natural for them and, and doesn't feel like they're, again, they have a stigma around it or they're being pathologized, but instead just like this, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I'm going through it, I want to be able to talk to somebody that I can trust mm-hmm. um, and, and just breaking down those barriers for them. And so... It was no different from the first group and, you know, and, and what the therapists and psychologists that have been working with the youth that we first started with, what they were saying was, you know, whatever you guys are doing is, is working because these youth are opening up to us more in the last two months that you've been working with them than they have the entire time in the three years that they've been at this high school. Um, and so it, it, we just really knew, like, this This is an outlet. This is a healthy way for them to express themselves and, and be able to address their problems in a, in a very safe way. Um, that, you know, we're not judging them and we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're promoting their story in a very authentic way that feels comfortable to them. And telling them, um, giving them, to look at terrible resiliency. You're kind of breaking up. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's kind of breaking up at the end. You mind uh, uh, repeating that? Yeah, no, I just, I was just saying, like, we want, we want to give youth the opportunity to really, um, tap into to their strengths and, and their abilities to, to heal and, and give them a safe environment where, um, they feel comfortable talking to adults about what's going on in their lives. Okay. Yeah, I feel like, um, that's always like, that's always like a, a big challenge, especially when you have like older professionals. And sometimes they can't really figure out, you know, how to how to get these youth to just be honest, you know, because like a lot of times, you know, they would tell them what they want to hear, you know, like they go to group and they'll say, uh, you know, oh yeah, I did this today and I feel bad about it, but you know, you don't really get, you know, what you're looking for. But uh, I feel like with your method, you guys were able to like add a little more authenticity to their sessions, you know. When yeah. Oftentimes the youth is like, no, nah, man, like that that don't work for me this is what works for me and if you're willing to listen to them and you're willing to give them again the resources and the support then then they'll open up authentically um and then and then at that point it's just a matter of giving them the blueprint giving them the guidance um, mm-hmm. instead of going in there and thinking like you know i know i know what i'm doing and i you know you have to listen to me it's like nah man like yo like I'm listening to you and I'm here to support you and, and, and create an environment where you feel safe and comfortable to talk about it. 
That's what's up, man. So, uh, so are you guys still in a high school, or like is your organization right out of a building, like your own building? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, since 2004, Beach Rounds and Life has grown a lot. So, we actually have our own facility right by Lake Merritt in Oakland. Okay. Um, now we're actually we still work in high schools, but we also work in mental health treatment facilities. We work in juvenile justice probation, mm-hmm. um, and then we also run our own programs right in our own community center, as well as going out to different community centers, because we really want to touch the youth wherever they are in the community and, um, you know, work with different populations. And we believe in non-traditional leadership. You know, we're not we're not trying to go into areas where there's um, a, a lot of uh, youth that are already affluent and and have a lot of resources. We want to work with the hard to reach youth yeah. um, because we believe like their their power and their potential is is monumental um, as long as you give them the opportunity to 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 shine that light. I feel that for that hundred percent. Uh, I'd always say that you know, like youth, like most, like because I worked in juvie for five years, and you know, you always kind of uh, see the same youth, uh, you know, going in and out. And you know, some people are, you know, even myself, be like, man, what's going on? Like, why? I wonder why they keep coming back to jail. You know, you know they must. You, uh, excuse me. You, you know they must like jail, <laughs> saying stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like uh, you know, if we keep like put them in you know predicaments where they can't win you know like that's going to be our same you know result you know they come in here for a couple of weeks they go back out and then, and then they go out to something you know because it's faking it inside because they really didn't have the staff to kind of uh you know you know put trust in and and, and, and it was able to uh you know get the truth out of them so you know so they come in they do their treatment they leave and they come back you know i feel like i've seen that too often, and it was kind of, it was kind of racking my brain to figure out how could I, you know, kind of uh, like maybe, maybe break those numbers down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really it's time to flip the paradigm. I mean, we hear we use this term <coughs> at risk all the time in this profession, and in beast rhymes in life, we really believe that these youth are at promise. Mm-hmm. And you know the only the only people that are at risk are the adults at risk of failing our youth um, mm-hmm. because we haven't given them the proper opportunities and the proper and the proper resources um, because you know they're they're brilliant and it, and they're the things that I mean it it, it speaks to hip hop in general mm-hmm. what we've been able to do for forty plus years of hip hop is create something out of nothing and. And turn it into the most um, the most heavily listened to genre musically in the world, and and that is because you know we we lead in, in influence and style and culture and creativity, um, and you know it's just I I really challenge people when they talk about youth being at risk because it's like yo like you haven't given them the real opportunity to ch- to channel their their potential. And you know it's it's it almost feels like a lazy approach. Yeah. And and we become complacent in terms of what you said of just like you know all right well there it's the same youth over and over and over again that just means we're not challenging them and we're not giving them the right resources and and really tapping into that potential. Hmm. Yeah. I never. I like that. Uh, at promise. That's that's pretty dope. <laughs> I mean that's that's definitely like a 
a way to a way to flip it, you know. No doubt. Uh, so, um, you guys have like a motto at uh, at Beats Rhymes of Life. Yeah, so we um, the way our the way our our programs run is it's uh, sixteen weeks. We yeah. run therapeutic activity groups um, for four hours a week. Two hours we do a process day where the youth will come in. They'll sit in a circle. Um, we'll do some curriculum with them. Um, an example of that might be like "Who Am I?" where they're exploring their identity. Um, and then every every time we do a process group, they write they write their bars, and then um, they'll come back two days later and they'll they'll get in the lab and they'll record what they wrote. Um, and then at the end of that 16 weeks, they uh, they've made a CD, they've made a compilation of the music that they've created, and then they perform it for their community. Um, and, and this community might be the adult, the very adults that have been working with them, telling them like, you're not going to be, you're, you're worthless and, you know, like good luck with your life. Um, and so we'll invite those adults to the showcase and be like, actually these youth are really dope. And they're, like Mm -hmm. I said, they're really resilient and they're really strong and they're really passionate. And this is actually their true authentic story and their true authentic identity, um, and, and they're able to tell that in a very natural way, um, as opposed to, you know, sitting up in a, a sterile room talking to a therapist that they never met before and mm-hmm. they don't trust, that don't look like them, don't come from the same communities, um, and, and, and being able to tell their story in a very, in a very genuine way that feels real to them. Um, so that's, that's pretty much our process. Okay. So that's, that's pretty much like your treatment thing is like uh, 16 weeks and basically like you're making a, um, so you make like a song, they make an album or they like make songs and you put the album together, right? Yeah, so they're, they're making songs based on original content, original beats, original bars. Um, we, we follow narrative therapy, um, solution-focused therapy and self-psychology mm-hmm. and we... And we build on, on group work theory um, in terms of the five stages of group development. Um, but really, and then, you know, we partner with social workers, clinicians, clinical social workers, I should say, uh-huh. uh, teaching artists, and then peer mentors who come out of our academy. Um, and so that, that triad is our, our team that goes in and works with them. And so the artists are really leading the content and really leading, like, the construction of bars and just the artist piece while the clinical social workers are focused on um, making connections and 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 really just trying to deal with like the latent content and getting getting below the getting below the surface to to say what they're saying on the surface is different from what they're actually trying to communicate and and really getting them to talk about again in a very safe environment among their peers um, where they're they're really being able to challenge um, some of the things that they're going through and, and get support and, and get love and and again the biggest thing is not to pathologize them you know a lot of uh, a lot of people hear the current state of hip hop and they're like you know don't listen to that that's that's garbage that's trash yeah um, where we're like oh, man like be you and do you um, at the same time we're gonna challenge you and we're gonna we're gonna get you to see like. You know, we want you to talk about what's real to you and what's your story. 
there's nothing wrong with what you're hearing and what you what you gravitate to, what you love on the radio. But is that truly what represents who you are as a person? You know, and and I'd much rather hear about what you got to say and what your life is and what you've gone through. Um, and and that's really that's relationship building one right there. You know, mm-hmm. they walk in the door. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and be doing the latest dances or you know singing the latest songs with them yeah and 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 that builds the trust so that then i can get to a point where i challenge them because as soon as they walk in the door and you say don't listen to that trash they're gonna be like hey, i'm not messing with this dude i'm not i don't want to be here mm-hmm. yeah i feel that it's like you got to kind of uh you know build that uh you know uh build that rapport before you can really push them in the direction that you might think, you know, will help them, you know, because, you, Absolutely. you know, because like we work with juveniles or, or students, you know, um, especially the, like, especially the ones that have worked with a lot of adults before until you can build that rapport, you're just another adult, you know, yep. like you're just another, just another badge, another shirt, just another, you know, so I'm going to just play this game until, I can go somewhere else unless you really show them that, you know, what you said got some, you know, some truth behind it and you're just not here for a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta show that you really care and you're gonna, and you're gonna be consistent. You're gonna keep showing up. And, and I think that's what my, my co-founder learned early on was, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't reach these youth when trying to engage them with traditional therapy. Mm-hmm. So there's there's got to be a different way um, to build trust and build relationships, and at the same time, you know, deal with um, some of the mental health stuff that's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Fresh, fresh. So, uh, what kind of barriers do some of your students have have to face? Yeah, I mean, a, a large. We don't we don't deal with. Um, uh, like schizophrenia and um, some of the more severe mental health issues, a lot of our youth are facing um, anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, violence in their homes and in their communities, um, you know, and so we, we're, we're dealing with more moderate to severe as opposed to just severe youth. Um, and so a lot of them are, you know, everything from um, housing issues and, um, you know, drug addiction to, as I said, um, severe depression, severe anxiety. Um, a, a lot of the youth that we see coming through our door dealing with more of those moderate um, to severe issues. Yeah. Okay. So, like, um, so there's like, uh, so do you have to have a diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, it, it really just depends. Um, when we when we go into the mental health and treatment arenas, um, a lot of those youth do have diagnoses, and, mm-hmm. we, and we have treatment plans for them, and we have treatment goals. Um, but at the same time, like, we, we really believe, like, they can help co-create that. And we don't necessarily, we, we use it to inform us, yeah. but we don't necessarily follow as like kind of these youth um because you know as as i'm sure you know a lot of those diagnoses are are off anyway yeah um and, and they're not oftentimes they're not the correct diagnoses um and so we we definitely 
we we deal with youth that do have diagnoses, but um, it's not it's not something that we adhere to strictly mm-hmm. um, because we really try to create our own treatment plans and our own treatment goals while we while we're working with them as as a, as well as um, life goals and artist goals and and really help them develop their character as as human beings. Okay. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, and like you know, it's uh, like a lot of times, especially dealing with a uh, a kid, I don't know, a kid or somebody who's an adolescent. You know, those diagnoses can change. You know, based on the day. You know. Yep. So yeah, so I mean, that's definitely a good model, kind of using the information that, that you receive from the mental health practitioner, like as a as a tool. You know, rather than like you know, like their you know, their life, you know, it's like, okay, this information I got to work with, I'm going to take it as far as I need to take it, you know, and it's going to help me kind of guide, you know, a way to kind of, you know, bring you back into your own treatment. Yep. That's what's up. And, and it's and it's important to involve them in that, you know, it's important to, to have very real conversations with them about that. And, and our, our clinicians will do that. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they without like outright saying this is what's wrong with you or this is mm-hmm. what we heard about you is like how do you how do you feel about your life how do you feel about what's going on you know and and it's it's really just about gaining information any way we can to to do our own assessment and and create our own um working agenda with how we want to engage with them that's what's up so um See, uh, so I know I asked about the, you know the barriers that some of the students have. Uh, what kind of because uh, I, f- I figured this is a nonprofit organization, just like any nonprofit, you got you got stuff that you got to get done. So, like, what kind of barriers do you guys face as an organization, and also in treatment? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's we're we're lucky because we've um, figured out how to create a, a really strong and robust fee-for-service model mm-hmm. um, and, and an earned revenue model. Nice. Um, I think for us, it's the struggle has traditionally been getting grants um, and, and getting uh, major donors. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, one, um, the inability to, to effectively tell our narrative and, and tell our stories. Um, I think, you know, data collection and metrics is, and, and quantitative data is something that a lot of foundations really want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's really hard to, to measure how do you reduce stigma? You know, how do you, how do you measure um, that a youth is more trusting of adults and, and wants to work more closely with adults? Um, and so that's been something that we've, we've really struggled with, that we're actually in the process of really trying to fix because, you know, if we can get the foundation and grant support and the donor support, then we're actually in a really good position because we figured out how to um, get grants or get contracts with uh, behavioral health care services of different counties and, and different mental health institutions. Um, and, and so I'm actually really encouraged and excited that, you know, we, we kind of, did things uh, in reverse, um, but we we got the hard part out of the way, and now just figuring out how do we get the data collection that we need um, so that we can show the the efficacy of the work. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, um, 
I just um, I'm like I, as a social worker from being from Portland, I'm curious to know like what social work looks like in other re- regions of the country or the world, you know. So, um, so could you paint a picture of like what social work looks like in your area in Oakland? No, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the key thing about social work that I really appreciate is is the first word in that, and it's, it's social and. There's different modalities, different therapeutic modalities that don't take into consideration um, the the social dynamics that are playing in a youth's behavior um, or their experience, their life experiences. I mean, the thing that I really appreciate about social work is it, it takes into account in in the um, the therapeutic interventions uh, what this youth has gone through and, and what they continue to go through in society. Um, and so for us here in the Bay area, you know, the big thing is displacement and gentrification. Ooh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's big and here too. Are, yeah. I mean, it's big in, in every urban quote unquote urban area mm-hmm. around the nation right now, you know, and, you know, the, the sad thing is Oakland has such a rich culture and, and such a rich history of activism and, and multiculturalism um, and these folks that are moving in, you know, and, and the big thing with us is the tech workers, um, they're moving into our communities and they don't understand that. Yeah. You know, and they're looking at Oakland as like, oh, it's such a naturally beautiful place, but not respecting the history and not respecting the um, the, the power that comes with the people that have been living here for years. Um, and so, and, you know, and I mean, I'm, I was born and raised in Oakland and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that have always had this, this negative stereotype or, um, a, you know, this, this image of, or prejudice of um, it being a very violent place. Um, and to me, Oakland has always been beautiful. It's always been an incredible um, area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, the big thing is like our youth are still dealing with some of the violence. Um, but the big thing is, is definitely displacement. And, and I appreciate that um, this, the social work that's particular to this area um, really addresses that and, and really helps youth not only cope with it, but find different housing situations mm-hmm. and, and find different solutions for how they can stay um, and, and continue, continue to contribute to uh, what has made Oakland one of the best places in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. I definitely see a lot of Oakland on TV. It's probably not the Oakland you're used to, but I see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the gentrified Oakland on TV. Like oh you know oh. you know what I'm saying so but uh so but how does the or how does your organization or, or other organizations deal with that like displacement like I know in Portland you know if you can prove that you were displaced from uh, Northeast Portland or North Portland you know you, you know you know those were the black neighborhoods you know when I was growing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. there's a program that'll help you you know find a home and it'll help you like you know fund that home you know so so is there programs like that um in oakland yeah i mean there there's definitely programs through alameda county um that are um helping with displacement we actually have an academy program um which is it's specifically focused on transitional age youth so youth who have come through our therapeutic activity groups, um, they come back to BRL to learn how to be mentors. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that we do is really support them with clinical case managers who help them um, with housing issues and, and help them um, find stable housing. Um, and, and, you know, really it's, it's advocacy too, you know, working with our, our local county and, and state government to figure out a way to um, create policies and, and create um Different different laws that um, are enacted in in the ability to keep folks in their home, yeah. um, and then and then also, you know, we can't we can't look at the tech companies, the the Googles and the Facebooks and the you know the um, the various the the Ubers of the world and and look at them as adversarial. Um, instead, we we have to do advocacy with them and, and demand that you know. If you're going to be a resident here, then you respect the the people that are here and um, really working with them to try and create sustainable policies as well. And that's that's something that um, we, as well as some other organizations that we partner with, have really um, tried to focus on because, you know, they're they're not going anywhere. Um, And so we got to make sure that if. They're going to stay and then recognize the the original inhabitants of this of this beautiful city, and and respect it, um, because again, it, Oakland, as as wonderful and amazing as a place as it as it is, it's it's the people that make it wonderful and amazing. It's, it's and you know if the people aren't here and the culture gets lost, then you know Oakland just becomes like any other city. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know we're trying to we're trying to fight that vigorously. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I know Portland. I mean, Portland doesn't really have a like a like a you know a rich African American uh, history. I mean, like I said before, like a North and Northeast Portland was where we were, you know, and that's where we had to stay. And now you know, since gentrification, they pushed us kind of everywhere you know what i'm saying and i feel like uh yeah i feel like you know like i when i go back to these places to visit i, I feel like an outsider i feel like i shouldn't have to feel like that a place that where you know when when nobody was living here i was here you know what i'm saying and it yep. was that's just kind of you know and i appreciate what it was you know back then and i feel like now yeah i mean there's more i guess there's more stuff to do but i feel like if i gotta feel like an outsider then it's not yep. really worth it you know yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how does your um are so how does how has your organization kind of impacted the community? Um, it, I mean, we try to do it in several ways. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we we have our showcase, and we look at that as a community of care, and so we really try to um, impede on the audience to say, you know, you have an investment in these youth's lives long after they're in the program and long after the showcase, Mm -hmm. um, and, and continuing to support them in terms of their growth and, and, and continuing to develop and as, uh, young folks, um, and, and really giving them examples and ideas of how they can, um, be stakeholders in, in their lives. Um, in addition to that, you know, working with the mental health systems to really create more culturally congruent um, systems of care, um, working with local governments to make sure that, you know, they they are respecting the rights and and the the lives of the youth that we're working with. Um, we do 
different um, events through our headquarters um, in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have an event called the Collective Healing Project, where it's just anybody in the community can come out and kind of talk about current events and how it's impacting them um, and then engage in like a, a project where they're either writing bars or they're doing an art project um, to really create a sense of community and collective healing in that way. Um, working with the various schools out here and, and doing advocacy work within the schools um, and just really trying to be a visible presence and, and really trying to make sure that, you know, at the at the top of everybody's agenda is the youth that we work with and, and giving them the opportunities to shine. Okay. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, uh, how are, uh, I got it. I have a two part question. Uh, so, does your organization censor the raps that, uh, that are by the youth? And if not, how do you address some of the bars that might be kind of like alarming? That's a great question. Um, as I said, you know, part of part of us not pathologizing youth when they walk in the doors is not censoring them mm-hmm. and, you know, letting them come in and be their authentic self. Um, but as we build that trust and, and that rapport and that relationship, um, we definitely challenge them and, and really from a, a very acute way of saying, you know, okay, you said F the police here. Is there a way for you to articulate yourself and, and get the same um, emotion and expression behind what you're saying without using that language? Mm-hmm. Um and and then um, at the end of the day, we tell them like you can you can cuss as much as you want in your music, but that's not going to make the final album. Yeah. Um, because you know, at the end of the day, we are giving these to to funders and, and mm-hmm. foundations and parents, and you have an audience that goes far beyond just your peers. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that it's a it's a message that's palatable and and. and digestible to the to the audience that we're we're trying to get your music out to um and so we're not going to censor you when you're in the booth but just know that if you're going to curse on a particular song it's not going to make the out um and you can use that song and put it on your your ig or your facebook or your snap whatever um but when we actually produce the music and put it out there then uh, we want to make sure that the content is palatable to all audiences and, and nobody's turned off to the message. Yeah. And that's, and that's the biggest part of it. Like you have an opportunity to reach people you never thought you would reach. Um, and so you don't want to turn off anybody to what you have to say because your message is powerful. Um, so it's like, and, and because we've spent 16 weeks challenging them on, on how to express themselves, uh, in a more creative way, a lot of youth get to the point where they don't need to curse on their albums, mm-hmm. where they can articulate themselves in a way that's like, you know, um, it, 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 it says what they have to say without using a, a language that's going to turn somebody off to what they're saying. Yeah. All right. That's what's up. So um, have you ever had like uh, students that stay longer than 16 weeks? Yeah, so we often have youth that uh, repeat the program two, three, sometimes we've had a youth that's come back five times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have our academy program, which is our uh, traditional age youth program. So 
Breaking up. Of, can you hear me? Yeah. In 2010, we started the academy with the hopes of um, creating an aftercare program because we know that youth, once they turn 18, although now it's 21, um, they age out of the system. And when they've been accustomed to getting services and resources their whole life, um, it just it just stops really abruptly. And then they have to navigate their transition into adulthood without that same support that they've been accustomed to getting their whole life. And so we wanted to create a program where they can continue to get the support, but then they can also learn the skills of the artists and skills of the clinicians um, and then become peer mentors in our program. So um, I myself, I don't even do direct service anymore. It's, it's now the, the young folks who we've trained That's that are going up. in and doing the programs um, and then we also try to create pathways into different colleges or um, different job opportunities so that they can take the skills that they're learning um, and then start to, um, and, then, and I mean, that's really change and trying to create a, a, a more equitable social work field where it's um, folks that actually are coming from the neighborhoods that are the youth we're serving are coming from and, and look like the youth that we're serving. Um, and so, like, for example, we just had a young lady who got her MSW uh, recently, mm. came up through our programs, came up nice. through our academy, um, and is now going to be working for Beast Rhymes in Life as, as one of our clinicians. Um, and so we have a lot of young folks who do that and you know, it's 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 really powerful when um, the, the youth that we're serving can be served with youth that have you know been in their shoes and been in their experience not even five years ago, um, yeah. and 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 really able to automatically relate to them and, and kind of tear down those barriers uh, as soon as they walk in the door. Man, I, <laughs> that's great, man. That's I mean, yeah, I mean that's I mean, like you can't really having a better outcome than that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, you know, like, we always, everybody's success looks different, you know, but when somebody was able to go through the program, come out, become a clinician, and then give that kind of same, you know, uh, you know, that same stuff that she learned, but then, like, add her own appeal to it, you know, and then add her own social, you know, like, social work lens to it, that's fresh, man. That's Yeah. That's, that is. I mean, it's powerful, and it's, it creates the kind of relationship that I myself could never do. Um, you know, if, if for no other reason, because of my age, mm -hmm. um, but you know, just, you know, even growing up in Oakland, like I, I oftentimes I didn't have the same experience as some of the youth have today. Uh -huh. Um, and so, you know, being able to train a young person who, who has come from that life and then turns around and then engages them in the healing, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, you know, and um, I remember working inside those juvies, uh, you know, like it always, I feel like the unit always ran better when uh, peers were kind of like in charge, you know. Yep. You know, like when the adults were in charge, I mean, yeah, of course, it, it, it was, you know, I mean, like we did what we had to do, but it's like, it felt, you know, the synergy felt authentic when like there was like other youth in charge helping to, you know, like, you know, like be mentors and things like that. Yep, absolutely. So, so uh, how does uh, how does your organization measure success? Um, it is. Um, I mean, we have our evaluation 
programs um, and um, in our academy. Um, we actually have you said evaluations. Yeah, so we do we do data collection. Um, we do pre and post tests um, in in every program that we run. Um, but we also have training the provider. We go to different counties, different mental health agencies, and different nonprofits, and teach them our proprietary model, um, so that they can work with the youth that um, are in their region. Um, so we have three of those programs running currently right now in Sacramento, mm-hmm. um, in in the Central California, uh, in an area around Fresno, um, and, and soon we're going to be running in Boston. take our, our model and, and go to to their different areas outside of Oakland um, to really have the same kind of effect. Um, and then we, we work with like college in Massachusetts um, who continues to develop our research and, and our data points um, so that we're making sure that we're, we're keeping with the fidelity of our model. Okay. You said in Massachusetts? Yeah, it's uh, Smith College. Okay. And that's where your partner went to college at? Yeah, that's where the the co-founder um, was no longer with the organization, but oh. um, that's where he went, and that's where our current chief operating officer is actually a adjunct staff out there and, and goes to teach in the summertime. Um Man, and a few social workers that have come through our our doors have gone to Smith College. Nice. So, um, did, so initially, um, or to this day, um, was there any backlash, you know, from the organiz- or to your organization for for specifically supporting communities of color? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing that um, we're facing, we're facing two different types of stigma. I mean, it's the the stigma around mental health in general, um, and and youth really, um, you know, having to confront that. Um, but we're we're facing the stigma around hip hop as well, mm-hmm. um, and and people having a a, a poor misconception of of what hip hop is based on, you know solely what they hear on the radio um whereas you know we know that hip-hop is is much more than um just mainstream it is it's a culture it's yeah. a way of life um and it's and it is you know again what our youth gravitate to and so you know when when we put those things together hip-hop therapy then it, it sometimes it, it certainly turns people off um, until we really explain the applications of it and the usage of it um, and, and how effective we've been. Um, and so, you know, I, I certainly get within certain circles and I find myself having to really explain um, the power, the transformative power of what we do um, because, you know, people are, are automatically, they disconnect when they hear hip-hop therapy. Um, and, you know, have a, a very very specific perception of what that means um but you know the proof is the proof is in the, the pudding as they say like you know our, our youth transform greater than any 
any other um, engagement of therapy that they they undertake and you know we're we really i think one of the biggest things is we're just really trying to get our narrative and our story out there so that um people can engage off top yeah that's what's up i, I, I remember um you know when I first got the initial email, I had to read it twice. I was like, "What they they do hip hop and therapy?" So I mean, yeah. that's I mean that's dope. I know in Portland there was a school that got a grant to open up, and it had a it had a hip hop curriculum, mm-hmm. but it never opened up. I forgot something that happened where the you know where they kind of overshot the budget or something. But mm-hmm. you know, I've always kind of looked for something that kind of uh, incorporated you know hip hop and something because I feel like it's just another art form. I mean, we have like you know like um you know there's therapy where you can draw and you can like you know do spoken word you know why can't you put your feelings in a, you know you know in a 16 bar format you know and have a hook have a bridge have a you know and just you know really because like a lot of hip hop especially nowadays like a lot of the older rappers are focusing on mental health but even the younger ones you know like they're coming from like a you know like a point of view of like uh you know like of anxiety and depression and things like that and a lot of the older rappers are coming from a point of view of like having dealt with that you know so it's like i feel like it's all coming full circle and like you know you guys might have been ahead of the uh, you know like you guys might have been ahead of the game you know mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I mean, it, go ahead you know it's it's uh it it i mean i was i often tell people who who might not have ever listened to hip hop a day in their life i'm like well have you ever you've listened to music before right Mm-hmm. And you know, I I don't know too many human beings on earth who haven't listened to music. And I'm like, you know, if you are, music can really determine your mood. You know, if you're if you're having a bad day, you put on the right song, it'll make you feel better. Yeah. Uh, if you're having a good day, you put on the right song, it'll make you feel like you're having a great day. Yeah. Um. And so for us, it's really just tapping into. That, that experience that all of us have had as human beings of, you know, our, our youth, whether we like it or not, they they respond to this culture. And even youth that don't listen to hip hop, they are influenced by the culture in one way or another. Um, and so it, it only it, it seems only right and only natural that we would use that as a medium and and use that as as an approach to to connect with them. Um, and if and for people that deny that, you know, I would I would challenge them. And are you really being effective in the work that you're doing to connect? I mean, and in, and the thing is, if that if hip hop's not the modality that you're interested in, again, like I said earlier on, like you have you have to tap into what their interests are. If they like gardening, do gardening. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If, <laughs> if they like, um, you know, dancing, do dancing. Like it. You know that that's what worked for us, but you know at the at the end of the day, it's really just finding out what they're passionate about and and using that as a way to connect with them. Yeah, I know one of my uh, old coworkers. He was able to uh, he was able to start a group about um, board gaming. You know, like a. Uh, 
tabletop mm-hmm. gaming, and he used some yep. of the, and he used that skill to, uh, you know, like I mean, like you know, as outside person looking in, you know, like they're just playing games. But when you talk to him, he's like, okay, well, you know, I use some of these skills to kind of guide, you know, uh, you know, the conversation. I, you know, like we talk about, okay, this pissed you off. Let's try to figure something else out. So you know, so when you come around this next time, you won't get as upset. So you don't mm-hmm. kind of blow out this group, you know. So yeah, so like I, f- I feel that, you know, like you got to kind of reach whatever you know whatever the interest is you know like they're already kind of giving you you know like an answer like you're, like you're trying to reach them you know like you do is figure out what they like you know and yep. then That's you know exactly but, it. And don't be corny about it, you know what I'm saying? Like, be genuine about it, but, you know, like... You can't do that. <laughs> you know, but figure out, you know, like, how how can we make this happen? But, uh, so, what's your motivation, man? Oh, man, I I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, man, like, I tell people this, and, you know, sometimes people laugh, but um, I'm, I'm really dead set on um, not only eliminating stigma around... Um, youth seeking therapeutic services but I want to eliminate the criminal justice system man I want to eliminate juvenile justice I want to make it irrelevant you know mm-hmm. and and give youth the opportunities to, to thrive and as I said be at promise you know and whatever they're into they can have every single avenue and every single resource at their disposal to, to accomplish their goals and accomplish their dreams and you know, every day I wake up it's I love what I do first and foremost so mm-hmm. I'm blessed I'm blessed in that way um, but you know it's, for me it's just giving youth opportunity to shine man and, and and figure out what they're passionate about and, and go out there and do it I mean the thing I love about the generations of youth now is like you don't have to follow the traditional routes of um, you know going into a nine to five job or, or going to get a college degree like mm-hmm. if, if you're passionate about something and, and you're willing to work hard for it and you have adults in your life that are willing to support you you can be anything you want yeah um and and just being you know in in the blessed position that i'm in i just i you know i'm just trying to pay it forward and and really do what i can to be the person to create those avenues and those opportunities yes sir well, brother, I appreciate you, um, you know, calling me and connecting with me, uh, you know, we over the, we over the phone with it. We go make, we make it happen. You know what I'm saying? This is, uh, we, we in operation out, out of my basement. So, you know, by any means, you feel me? That's how it starts, brother. Man. And yeah, just thank you so much for the opportunity, man. Hopefully one day I'll be able to get up there and see what you guys are doing up there in Portland. Oh, I mean, man, that'd be nice. I'm trying to, it's not like I need to come down there and see what y'all doing in Oakland. Hey, man, you're always welcome. The door is always open. Yes, sir. Is there anything you want to plug before uh, we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, anybody um, can follow us on IG and Twitter, Facebook, at Hip Hop Therapy. Um, and just always tap in and see what we're doing. We're always welcoming people to our community. All right, yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, and um, like I like always, I end, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, HA Social Work, Gmail, Hip Hop Social Worker at gmail.com, Instagram, uh, Hip Hop Social Worker Pod, Cash App for them donations, C Scott 85, uh, and I'm on Facebook, Hip Hop Social Worker. Just search us, and uh, yeah, like again, Rob, I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, man, uh, it's been great. Right on, brother. Yeah, be well. All right, man. Peace.